Good morning, and happy Mother's Day to all of you. I know Chandra did such a great job of talking about Mother's Day and how we can come to this day, and it can mean different things to different people. And yesterday I had an opportunity to spend the day with my mother, and my kids were there too, and we just had a wonderful day, and I'm so thankful for her. But if you are in this room today, you know what? You have been given the gift of life by someone. Firstly, that gift of life came from God, but then we were knit together in a womb. So that is something to be thankful for alone on Mother's Day. And motherhood can be kind of funny, because when our kids are little and lots of these little kids, all they want is their mom, right? It's just like, mom, mom, and someone else tries to take them, and they come for a minute, and then they cry, and they want back to mom. And that's uh, a special attachment that kids have with their mothers. And as they get a little older, even in, in elementary school, I remember student teaching in a grade two classroom. And at the end of my student teaching, I got these amazing notes from the kids. And they were notes and letters. And I remember one specifically because I kept it and it said, Dear Miss Morrison, we love you because you smell good. All you gotta do is smell good for little kids. That's so good. And as my your kids get older and they get into those middle years and teenage years, you want to say, smell me, I am good, come and smell me, you know, because there's a little bit of opposition in some of those years. And then as we get older and maybe when we hit our 30s or 40s, we start thinking about our moms and we think, boy, you know, I wish I would have listened a little more. I, I'm going to talk to mom about that. And when we get into our 50s and 60s, we start thinking, boy, I... I don't want to lose my mom. And then when we get even older than that, and for those of you that have lost your mother, you think, boy, what I would give just to have another visit with my mom. And so it's a great day to remember all those good things. And if you haven't called your mom yet, phone her today. That's what I'm going to say. I have an exciting summer as a mother happening this, this summer. Elmer and I, we have um, three biological children. But after the end of this summer, we're going to have seven, not biological, but seven kids in our family. I saw you look. Thanks. Okay. Seven kids in our family. And that's um, how that's going to happen is our daughter, Chanel, is getting married in like five weeks to Brady Plett in June. Our son, Regan, is getting married to his fiancée, Lindy Plotis, in July. And our son Lance and his wife, our daughter-in-law Elise, are having our first grandbaby in August. So this is a, yeah, this is a big summer. It's a big summer for us. And you know what? Those of you that know me know that I'm all about having moments. Can you imagine? We are going to break a record this summer. And I think my kids have already been um, worried a little bit about that. Because often when I have a moment, it's like, everybody stop. I'm having a moment. And so I'm thinking, they're thinking, okay, mom, not during the ceremonies or not during that. So yesterday, as we were traveling to my mom's, I said to them, some were with us, Brady and Chanel and Regan were with us, and I said, okay, you guys, like, should I come up with a signal that would be just like a moment signal? I could just go, Bing, you know, and that you just know. And then Regan says, you know, mom, you could, you could come up with a signal that would just be all your own. He said, maybe it just could be a little stare that way or something. We wouldn't Anyway, I'm going to try, just for you guys. We are in a series called The Gospel According to Moses. And Bruce started us off with an introduction to the series. The first week, we focused on who God is and what he has done. And the Israelites becoming slaves in Egypt. And the story of Joseph. 
and God calling Moses to lead these people out of slavery to the promised land. And last week, we focused on who God made us to be, our identity in him, what it means to be a covenant people. And today we're continuing in Deuteronomy, and actually it's one of my favorite chapters, one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, because it's what drives our children's ministry, the ministry that I get to serve in here at Grove. It's what gives me hope for a future, and it's, it's just the call of our heart. It's what we're going to pass on. And often I'll start when I'm up here, because I love working with kids, and with kids you want to have visuals, and you want to have tricks, and I like doing that, but... Sometimes I ask for volunteers, but what I'm asking right now is everyone in this room, if you're willing to participate in something, I will not make you talk, I won't make you come up here, if you're willing to participate in something that's kind of a trick, will you put your hand up? Okay, let's try that again. Everyone in this room, if you're willing to participate, will you put your hand up? Okay, some are, some Take your bulletin. And on your bulletin, in the sermon notes area, you'll see a little chart there. You'll see a little chart there. Now, there's just a bunch of words on that chart. And I'm going to talk you through a process. And when I talk with kids, I say words like, ooh, abracadabra. And the kids know that means absolutely nothing. It's just a trick. Believe me, this is just a trick. But I'm going to get us all to the same place. Without really thinking much about the words on that paper, I'd like you to take your finger and I'd like you to put it on one of those words that starts with an R. Put your finger on, leave your finger there. One of those words that starts with an R. Now I'd like you to go left or right on that to something that doesn't start with an R, a word that doesn't start with an R, left or right. Keep your finger there. Now I'd like you to go up or down to something that starts with an R. You there? Now, diagonally to not an R. Diagonally is like this. Diagonally to not an R. You're there? Now I want you to go left or right to an R and keep your finger there. Keep your finger there because now you should all be on what we're going to focus on and part of our message this morning. Your finger should be on the word remember. Yay, good. Now, if it wasn't on the word remember, you didn't listen to the instructions. (laughs) We are going to talk about remembering today. And we're going to talk about what Moses had to do with the Israelite people. We're going to talk about how that affects us. We're going to talk about passing it on. But I want to change and make sure that we focus on a word between remember and pass it on. And that word is and. Not just remember to pass it on, but remember and pass it on. Because remembering and passing it on is remember yourself and pass it on. And remembering to pass it on just can be, I'm passing it on. Remember gets it inside of us. Will you pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, I thank you for this morning. And Lord, I thank you for your word. And Lord, I just pray that we would have open hearts and minds to what you, the Holy Spirit, is going to teach each of us this morning. Lord, I just pray that anything that's of me would fall away and what is of you would be heard and your spirit would minister here. I pray and ask these things in your name. Deuteronomy means repetition of the law or the second law. And because of the disobedience 
of the Israelites, they find themselves on this long, tiring journey. Difficult. During this difficult journey, that's where we have the book of Deuteronomy. That's where we are. And it commands from God, Moses was to take to the people. And he was taking the commands to a very stubborn, unsettled, and disobedient people. The Israelites had heard it before. They knew it. They'd heard it before. And they had let it slip away. So Moses was called to repeat these commandments and ask them to return to lives of commitment and obedience. And when I hear that, those statements about a stubborn, unsettled, and disobedient people, I'd like to ask us a question. Are we ever a stubborn, unsettled, and disobedient people? At times, do we need to have things repeated to us, God's laws repeated, and are we reminded to return to those things that he's called us to? You turn with me in your Bibles, or they'll be up on the screen, to Deuteronomy chapter 6. That's where we are today, and I'm going to read verses 1 to 4. These are the commands, decrees, and regulations that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. You must obey them in the land you are about to enter and occupy. And you and your children and your grandchildren must fear the Lord your God as long as you live. If you obey all his decrees and commands, you will enjoy a long life. Listen closely, Israel, and be careful to obey. Then all will go well with you, and you will have many children in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Moses taught all that God had ordered him to teach, and he emphasized the need to obey. And then all would go well. The Lord's promises would be fulfilled. You know, the wonderful thing about the Old Testament, and and lots in Deuteronomy, is it is quoted and referenced again in the New Testament, and actually by Jesus many times. So if we turn to Matthew 28, 20, we'll hear this again, and it'll say, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Something to obey and a promise that comes with it. Continuing on in Deuteronomy 6. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you were at home and when you were on the road, when you were going to bed and when you were getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. There's something called the the Teflon, and I asked Pastor Harry this morning if he could help me with the pronunciation, and he said it was kind of okay how I was saying it. The Teflon are small black leather boxes that devout Jews would wear to remind them of God's laws. They would strap them actually right on their forehead, and, some did, and they'd put them on their forearm, so that always they were reminded of God's laws. However, just to strap something on doesn't really mean that you have the love in your heart. That would be like us saying, I wear a cross. So, hey, I'm walking anywhere. Hey, I've got a cross on. I'm, I'm good. Everything's good. I've got a cross on. 
Or what about if we have the cross and the bracelet, WWJD? I've got this, I've got this, I'm good, everything's good, I follow. Just on the outside is not enough. It's got to be on the inside, right? And why do people forget? Why do we forget? Let's continue on in Deuteronomy. The Lord your God will soon bring you into the land he swore to give you when he made a vow to your ancestors Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It is a land with large, prosperous cities that you did not build. The houses will be richly stocked with goods that you did not produce. You will draw water from cisterns you did not dig, and you will eat from vineyards and olive trees you did not plant. When you have eaten your fill in this land, be careful not to forget who rescued you from slavery. Don't forget the Lord. He rescued you from slavery in the land of Egypt. You know, I read that and I, 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 I think, bring that to us. And I think, could it be that sometimes if our circumstances get easy and our houses are full with all great things and we've got lots of food and we've got lots of great things, that maybe we're that people that might forget? A key verse there in that what we've read, verse 5, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength. There's a commitment there that calls for wholehearted commitment. Again, Jesus quotes this in the New Testament. If we go to Matthew 22, 37 to 39, we hear Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Quoted again in Luke 10, 27. He answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as, as yourself. If we are going to pass this on, if we're going to pass this on to our children, or if we're going to pass this on as a church family and a church body to the next generation, we've we got to have it in our heart. Because we cannot impart what we do not possess. We just can't do it. Especially when it comes to passing on our faith. Because you know, children, they can see through hypocrisy just like that. They can see it. You know, they might not understand what it is, but I'll tell you, they feel it. If they hear, hear you saying something and you do something else, oh my, catch you every time. From young right up. And sometimes as, as people get older, it just turns us to be a little cynical. And we, we, we call, use that word hypocrite. So we have to have it um, in the message. I love how I look to the message translation lots just to get some different um, understanding of things. And in the message, it co- it's in this verse, it says, get them inside of you and then get them inside of your children. When it comes to the commandments and the Lord, get them inside of you and then get them inside of your children. So how do we do that? How do we start with us? And how do we love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and mind? just like to talk a little bit about the heart. And maybe um, that would mean like an emotional love. So with the heart, I'd like to ask the question, are you drawn or connected to God emotionally? Do you have that hunger in your heart and that love in your heart? We have an emotional attachment or a yearning. Do you love him as your father? As your savior? 
The Bible also tells us that out of the abundance of our heart, our mouth speaks. So what's in there, it's going to show. If we don't have that love for him, and that to, it's going to show in what we do. It's going to show. And then to love him with our soul. And we know that the soulmate, what that definition is, is we kind of talk, but it's my soulmate. I'm just in love. But you know what? A, a, a person, you might, we might call them a soulmate, but really to have a soulmate is something that without them, you are absolutely incomplete. And at times we might feel that about our spouse, but really, you know what? We, we do have, we are one when we're married, but a soulmate is that I am so attached that I am not even full without that soulmate. We have a void in us that only God can fill. As much as we try to get that from someone else or from our relationships, only God can fill that. So that's loving him with our soul. And then with our strength, true love is something that is worth fighting for. And at those times when we feel like I can't go on, you just know that you know that you know so that it's worth fighting for. You put your mind to it, you'll fight for true love. So he says then when you know these things and you have them, repeat them again and again. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road. Some translations say impress them on your children. The definition of impress is to affect deeply or strongly in mind or feelings. To fix deeply or firmly on the mind or memory. In 4.9, it says to watch out, be careful never to forget. And I know you might say, she said that, you said that, you're saying it again. You know what? Moses said it, and he said it, and he said it again. We're not supposed to forget. And it says, do not let these memories escape from your mind as long as you live, and be sure to pass them on to your children and to your grandchildren. So, how do we pass them on? I'd like to suggest three ways. And the first way is that we can be examples to the next generation. We can be examples to our children. We can live it. If we're not, and as people, you know, when all those Israelites were there and Moses was talking to them, they were families, but they were a family. We are families, but we are a family. We're a family. We have a responsibility to each other. So even if you don't have biological children here, you're part of a family. So we can be examples. And you know, what? we need to ask ourselves the question, what am I passing on? When I serve in church? Am I serving joyfully? And you know what? I've seen patterns that are just so exciting to me. When parents serve joyfully in their body and, and know that they've got a part to play in the body of Christ, their kids follow along and they serve. I remember in the church that we were in, part of what we did in our church because we didn't have a janitor is we took turns cleaning the church. And so our family, we would take a month and we would clean the church. And yeah, did we probably do some fun things that we played big games of hide and seek and those were fun. And I know you guys give rides to each other on the chair thing that we weren't supposed to, like things happen. But, but when we sat in church one Sunday morning and one of our kids said to us, mom, look at the piano. It's so shiny. That person must have cleaned it lots and spent lots of time this week. I thought, you're getting serving. You're understanding what the body does for each other. The second thing that we need to do is we need to make sure that we don't let God's word slip from our minds and our hearts. And we need to take advantage of those teachable moments. And when we talk about kids, there's so many different stages. And when we work with kids in children's ministries and parents know this, it starts with this stage of wonder. And everything is like, wow, and what? And you just got to take advantage of those moments. God's creation, wow, isn't it amazing what he made? That's a spiritual conversation with a child. Look at that tree. Look at that rainbow. Look at that mountain. 
And then they get into those discovery where they want to explore and see and feel and do. And that's what we do with some of our kids in those elementary years here. And you do with your kids. You do things that get them engaged and involved. And then it moves later on to passionate. And you know what? When you find a passionate young adult or a passionate person, you know, we have something as a body to do in there. And it's called encourage and build up. We don't want to squelch and kill that passion because we are not being obedient. The third thing is remember what the Lord has done for you in the past and share these experiences with our children and with the next generation. This thought reminded me of a story for Elmer and I um, a number of years ago. We farmed in the community of Foam Lake. And there was one fall or one August, and actually it's kind of called and still is called the brown hailstorm. The reason it's not because the hail was brown, it's because the hailstorm had just some really unique paths. And I was away speaking at a Bible camp, and Elmer phoned me, and he told me what had happened. And he said, Maureen, this hailstorm came. And I was on a neighbor's field, and we got in his cab together, and we watched it. And it came, and this hailstorm went straight down our land. And then it turned, and it did some funny little angles. Hit a brown field there, a brown field there, our field there, our field there. And it's called the brown hailstorm. You know what? We were like completely wiped out that year. And Elmer will, will tell you that too. It was a hard year for us. And it was a year that Lance was going into grade 7. And you know, when you go into grade 7, then you have um, sports, and you get to participate in, in school sports, and that's a big deal, and it was a big deal in our town, and Lance loved basketball. And one of the things that he would need would be some basketball shoes to protect his ankles, and you know, that school supply year, I, I was wondering how we're going to do that. And so we went to Yorkton, that was our city, and we shopped. And I'd been praying, Lord, will you please, can we somehow do this like with a third of the money that we've done it in other years? And we were in this sports store, and there they were, was this pair of shoes. There was no other uh, in that line or that style. And it was a certain size, and it was like the most unbelievable price you can imagine. And Lance put those shoes on, and he put them on, and they fit like a glove. Now the thing that was, that was a beautiful thing, and you can say, oh, it's just shoes and stuff. But that, that's not what was important in this story to me. Because Lance looked at me and he said these words. Mom, God did this for us, didn't he? And that was a moment that I thought, yes, I'm so glad that that's the first place you go. Is that God did this for us. And it might seem simple to us. And you might say, oh, basketball shoes, that's even an extra that you don't need. But you know, it was that moment that God did this for us, didn't he? And I was so thankful for that. Elmer and I, when we were young, there was this thing called the family blueprint. Now, it was for families to go to to talk intentionally about what they'd like for their children. We didn't seek it out. We weren't those parents that just went to every... It just happened to come to our town, and we signed up. Because Grandma said she'd babysit. Honestly, that's what we did. We signed up. But it was the best course. Because it made us think, what do we want for our family 10 years from now? What do we want for our family 20 years now? And as a church, we need to be saying, what do we want for Forest Grove Community Church 10 years from now? What are we passing on? Who 
are we encouraging? When someone's passionate, who are we saying, you go for it, you go for it? What do we want our church to be? So we had to ask these kind of questions. And we had to know that things are definitely more caught than taught in a lot of this. We will talk and preach God's word, and the Holy Spirit will teach, but when it comes to values and things, they'll watch you. They'll watch when we walk out grumbling or complaining, or if you roast me afterwards at lunch. They'll, wa- they'll hear that. Kids will hear that. Your kids will hear that. No. <laughs> they know we, we, we do that. They'll pick that up. And you know, one of the things we need to be reminded of is time is short. There's an incredible app that our curriculum has, and it's called the, uh, the Legacy app. And what it does is you put your child's birth date in there, and it kind of figures out when their graduation point would be, when you're kind of almost to the end of your influence in that way with them, and it gives you a reminder. So I want to show you, last weekend I had an opportunity to dedicate a little guy here, Jackson, Carrie, Keith and Julie, they're here this morning. And we had a prayer of dedication they wanted to bring their son. So I put Jackson Carey into this app. Now, this is not to make Keith and Julie feel bad or worried, but this is just to give us a visual. Let's put Jackson Carey up there. Jackson Carey, in his life, there's 885 weeks left for you to have that impact before he graduates. And it goes down to days, hours, minutes, seconds. Now, I took a picture of this on your phone, and this is not for fear, but it kind of just ticks away as you're looking at it. Let's go to the next one. Seth Birkin, Christine and Brad. I put him in 624 weeks. You saw how that went. It's getting short in the weeks and the, the days and the hours and the minutes. This is why we believe in partnering with parents as a spiritual leaders of their children. Because you have that many weeks and that many days. We fall into the hours as a church. We get them for an hour, maybe two in a week. Let's go to the next one. Abby Richards, 206 weeks. Let's go to the next one. Hannah ends, 50 weeks. Now, this is kind of putting an American graduation in there, so it might be 52. Brad and Lisa, 50 weeks. I mean, Bruce and Lisa. (laughs) Shoot, and this is taped. Okay, Bruce and Lisa, Brad and Christine. Okay, 50 weeks. Let's go to the next one. My daughter, Chanel Brown. Married in five weeks, minus 211. She graduated. Do I still have influence, and do we still have influence? Yes, we do. But those years of influence that we have till 18 change. So I want us to remember that each of us is on the brink of something incredible with our kids and with us as adults. Every follower of Jesus stands on the brink of a greater future than we can see at the moment. And so today, I'm not sure what the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, and I'm so glad it's just not my words. It's the Holy Spirit that is the teacher. Maybe you're hearing that word that there's something that you need to obey that you're not obeying. Maybe you're hearing, I've been grumbling and complaining, and I need to be thankful for what God has done for me. And maybe you're thinking, this is bigger than what I can do. It's so big, I can't possibly do it. But then you know what? It is bigger than you can do. And there's an answer, and there's help for us. Because in John 14, 15 to 17, We read, if you love me, obey my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. He will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit. That's our help, who leads in all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him, but you know him because he lives in you. We have the Holy Spirit in us, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, 
is in us and able to do those things that we think are too big for us. And in closing, I'd just like to read John 14, 21. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them. And I will love them and reveal myself to them. And that's a promise. We love him, we obey him, and he says, I'll reveal myself to us as biological families, to us as church families. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you for this morning, and Lord, I thank you for your word that teaches. Lord, I pray for each person here in this sanctuary right now. Lord, I just pray that and trust that you are speaking to us. And Lord, I just pray that you would help us to take those steps that we need to, to take. And Lord, if the first step is to follow you as our Savior, and that's what's speaking to people, Lord, I just pray that you give them the courage to come up and talk to me afterwards. I'd love to talk to them about that. Their story has already begun. And so, Lord, we just call for obedience, and we call for us to return to you and to remember what you have done for us, and then to pass it on. Pray these things in your name, Lord.